Welcome back, Art World. This is Miss Art World, Catherine, and I'm here with my lovely co-host, Lisa. Hi, guys. Happy to be back. Uh, Today we have a really cool guest that I'm going to tell everyone that Lisa and I really know nothing about uh, theaters, so uh, I'm excited about this podcast. Uh, We have Greg Lemley with us. Welcome. Hi there. Good to be here. Um, So... Can you dive into the history of the Lemley Theaters? Because it's a family-owned business. It's a family-owned business. It was started by my grandfather and my grandfather's brother in 1938 here in Los Angeles um, with two single-screen theaters in the Highland Park neighborhood. Um, And here we are 80 years later. That's amazing that it's been around for 80 years. That's incredible. Did you always know you wanted to um, go into the family business? Uh, no, not necessarily. Um, I mean, uh, we were, you know, there were five of us growing up together, kids, and uh, we all worked at the theaters uh, selling popcorn and changing the marquee and everything like that. Um, but when I went off to college, I thought I was going to become a marine biologist and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, be like the next Jacques Cousteau. <laughs> um, and there was a, uh, this was when there were still repertory movie theaters uh, around. It was just as VHS was coming into the, into existence. And um, so uh, my father had arranged uh, for me to get a pass to the local repertory theater in Berkeley. And uh, I just started seeing a lot of movies because it was free. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and all of a sudden I found out, realized that I really liked movies. So here I am. That's amazing. So you said there was five of you siblings. Yes. Correct. Are all of them in the theater business with you? Uh, nope. I'm the only one. Okay. Yeah. Wow. All right. What are your other siblings? I come from um, four other siblings. So I'm very curious. Like, what are your other siblings? Oh, one's an attorney, uh, one is social uh, social work, one's a veterinarian. Just a lot of different stuff. We each were encouraged to follow our passion. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I was just more subtly or not so subtly encouraged to <laughs> yeah. <laughs> think about coming into the family business. Okay. Yeah. One of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and so I was reading a little bit about the history, and so you – the history of the theater you had um like neighborhood theaters and then it went back down to one theater and then you now have six i know we're, well we're at nine locations currently with a tenth under construction okay um, but yes it started out more as single screen neighborhood theaters um you know the films would open at the big movie palaces and then a week later they would move out to you know uh slightly smaller you know but still palace type theaters and then by the fourth or fifth week you know they're playing in the neighborhood theater and it's usually at that point it's a double bill and some neighborhood theaters were playing switching their programs two and three times a week and doing all kinds of things to get people in um but you know this was in the 30s late 30s 1938 into the 40s and la was starting to boom a little bit um so we were eventually able to expand from those two those first two screens to six screens um and then TV came along, and that really put a you know a, a major dent in movie going for a period of time, and a lot of neighborhood theaters had to close, um, and uh, it was during that period. So we went from six screens down to one, and you know at some point after that period, that's when we really started focusing on being an art house. Uh, we had always played uh, foreign films, 
as part of the mix when we could get our hands on them. It was during the war years that was not so simple to do, um, but we were not necessarily the, the premier art house uh, in the city. Um, so we were just dabbling with it and, uh, and, and trying some different things, but uh, as, as the, we moved through the 50s and into the 60s, it really became you know, 100% art house programming um, and uh, and then starting in 1964, we started adding screens again. Um, we added a, a single screen theater in Pasadena. We built the Regent and the Plaza Theaters in Westwood. Regent is still there. Um, expanded into Santa Monica and just kept going. Mm-hmm. It's interesting how you um, took the theaters and have evolved with the times. So um, with streaming nowadays, is that something that you guys are thinking about as a challenge for the theater or because you show the art house movies that that's not really a challenge for you guys? Well, it's a challenge. I mean, anytime people can see films uh, in a, what's arguably, arguably a more convenient manner and certainly maybe more cost effective, I, I'd say it's not as good of a way of seeing a movie. Um, as seen in a movie theater, but I, you know, have to be realistic about um, about what opportunities are out there, um, and yeah, it's always a challenge um, and maybe an opportunity. Mm-hmm. I love sitting in a dark theater. I do too. I <laughs> I hate watching movies at home. It's not the same. Um, could you? Because we have a lot of our listeners are um, in the visual arts world um, of like painting and whatnot. Um, could you define the difference between what an art house film would be versus a foreign film or a commercial blockbuster? Is there a defining term that makes it a art film? Well, I don't. Um, I think people have uh, certain expectations, mm-hmm. um, and and sometimes that expectation is that a foreign film is a bunch of people sitting around in berets smoking and talking. Um, That's not looking <laughs> in my mind at all. <laughs> and then you get Run, Lola, Run or, or Crouching Tiger or yeah. something like that. So that sort of shakes things up. No, um, well, look, obviously you have films from the major Hollywood studios. Mm-hmm. And um, while historically the, the studios did make uh, films for uh, adults and films that were auteur-driven, by and large now, you know, their films are processed mm-hmm. and... Um, it doesn't mean that they're not good, um, but they tend to represent less the vision of a single artist. Okay. Um, and I think that maybe is really, uh, you know, a, a, a key point in, in that, um, I mean, film is a collaborative effort. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and there's, I would never say that any film represents strictly the the vision of one person because everybody's contributing but it certainly represents the vision of the artistic team behind the film and not necessarily the influence of uh, a commercial marketing driven approach to you know we need to change this scene because it's not working with a test audience and we need to manage that you know, it, it's a it's a little bit more of a commodity. Um, there's a certain beauty to that system, um, and anybody that appreciates old Hollywood films, you know, at some level is is seeing um, that process at work. Um, but I think that's a you know a key difference. Yeah, and you know, and, and many foreign language films, uh, you know, can be 
as processed as a Hollywood film. Um, we just tend to see the, the foreign language films here in this country that are more uh, representative of that same kind of auteur-driven uh, art focus. Okay, great. Thank you. No, I don't. <laughs> I, I'm I'm gonna learn so much from this episode. I, this is gonna be like how I feel in every other podcast we do. <laughs> You're finally gonna understand what it's like to like learn during, <laughs> like taking notes. Yeah. So, how do you pick the films that you want to show? Is there a vetting system? Um. We don't necessarily employ a vetting system. I'm uncomfortable with the idea of being a, um, uh, a, a curator at some level. Um, it's really important for filmmakers that their work is seen in Los Angeles. So we try to create opportunities for films that you know, don't necessarily just represent my personal taste. Um, I mean, first the process is, uh, although we work directly with filmmakers, in many cases we're also working with distributors who are bringing us the film and we have a track record, a relationship with those distribution companies. Um, most of the films have played in, at some film festival or some other prior, have had some other prior exposure so we can maybe get a sense of what the critical response is to the films. Um, in many cases, they're filmmakers we've worked with before and we you know, want to... Uh, in, encourage um, that sort of linear appreciation of an, of an artist's work by giving the, op- the audience an opportunity to, to see um, to see you know subsequent films from a filmmaker that, whose work they've previously seen mm-hmm. um, and then it's a little bit like just being a traffic cop um, you know okay which date do you want to open and which theater and how do we make it all fit together and put the, the pieces of the puzzle together um, and and give all the films an opportunity to be to be shown in the best possible light. Um, ultimately, then it's up to the uh, you know the marketing and distribution team behind the film to make the audience aware that the film is available, and then really it's up to the audience to to actually come out. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Because if if I mean basically if if something does well, it gets to keep. Mm-hmm. Plain, and if it doesn't do well, it's it's gone. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm assuming that you do a certain level of marketing, but it's really on the films. We're team. opening sometimes two dozen films a week. Wow. Maybe more with special programs that are only playing, you know, for one night or a couple nights. So it it um, look. I would love to to be more of that curated experience but we would be a different venue at that point mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. we would be we wouldn't have you know nine locations around the county and we wouldn't have as many screens as we have and we would be investing a little bit more in each film but we would ultimately be able to show less mm-hmm. so um you know you you take the good with the bad mm-hmm. um what we are again is more about providing opportunity for the work to be seen um, and then it's incumbent on, uh, on on people who want that work to be seen. You know, that's their baby, mm-hmm. so they need to do what um, what they can to to support it and make it more visible um, to the public. Um, and and people who are successful at doing that, you know, will tend to work with those distribution. That's why we have established relationships with distribution companies. It's not, you know, we know that they know. How to market a film, 
Um, in many cases, they are working with the same filmmakers or same type of film. You know, that's their maybe their personal um, affinity towards a certain type of film that they can then, you know, continuously present to to a not same but similar audience. Um, or or we know that they have a, a, an ability to develop a, an audience for each individual film. Um, in some cases, you know, we're working with distribution companies where we know that they haven't really been able to do that, but they pick really good films. And again, we feel like we want to be the theater of record um, and, and give those films an opportunity to screen. So it's really just finding about, um, you know, how can we make this fit? Um, and knowing that there aren't going to be a lot of tickets sold, at least can we sell enough to keep the doors open? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's super important to have the Lemley theaters showing art films and foreign films, films that you can't necessarily find in other theaters. Like as a creative person, I think one of the biggest challenges is to find a venue and I'm a visual artist. So finding the, I'm a visual performance artist. So it's, extremely hard to find a venue that is willing to show your work and knowing that there's not going to be a huge profit and I think for the the teams that are behind the um, art films that's it's super special that you're out here giving them that opportunity and for the audience I'm sure that you have a very strong passionate audience that comes weekly to see (laughs) Yeah, no, we like to we like to say that our the typical Lemley moviegoers seeing two and three films a week, mm-hmm. you know, whereas the you know the average American sees two or three films a year. So we're we're just off the charts, yeah. uh, in terms of that. Um, and yet, even still, there are people, you know, well, I want to see that movie, but that theater's not convenient, or that showtime's not convenient. So, you know, we live in a <laughs> we live in an age of convenience, and people expect that everything is you know, tailored for them. So, you know, movie going still requires a degree of um, sacrifice on the part of, uh, certainly certainly on the part of the movie makers, but, but also on the part of the consumer. I mean, they have to be willing to, to leave their home, to, to go to uh, the theater where the film is playing, to go at the showtime where the film is playing and, and make that effort. Mm-hmm. But, Again, I, you know, the experience, not just the quality of the film, but the experience of being able to see it in that kind of uh, environment where you can really focus on the work is, is uh, it's not something that you can re- recreate it in home. Mm-hmm. One thing that I think is really cool that the Lemley Theaters are doing is um, municipalities are using the theaters as a way to create arts and entertainment districts which then has opened doors to more galleries coming in and artist associations blossoming, was that creation of creating small pockets of art districts a part of your overall vision for the theaters? Or was that a happy, happy accident? Yeah, I think it's, I think, well, I think it's a chicken and egg kind of yeah. thing. Um, you know, we want to be located in parts of town that are interesting mm-hmm. um, so that before the movie or after the movie our patrons can can enjoy whatever kinds of other you know consumer cultural activities that they might want to enjoy um and and by the um and by the same token those those places tend to you know well there's now they see there's people coming for the movies so now i'm going to put my cafe near there i'm going to put my bookstore near Mm -hmm. there so 
Um, it's a it's a happy coincidence, and uh, which one leads to the other, I can't exactly say, but um, I think it, it tends to create a certain momentum, or when it's successful, yeah. it can create a, a kind of momentum where it feeds on, on itself. Um, you know, you then have the the challenge of if you're too successful, now all the chain stores see. Yeah. Look at all these people. Uh, you know, let's you know, let's have a. Mm-hmm. Chipotle yeah. instead of a, <laughs> a mom and pop shop. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. exactly. So you have to you have to be careful about that. Yeah. You know, but um, yeah. that you know, there's only so much that we can do. <laughs> are those in controlling those kinds of things? Are those questions you bring up with like the economic development committees when you meet with them about like what else is going to be surrounding the theater? Um, we'll try to ask. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in, in some cases, or just what are the other amenities? I mean, it, it, transit, opportunity, parking, uh, shared parking. Yeah. Um, is there, you know, are, are they going to, uh, you know, as part of that enter- arts and entertainment district, are they going to have housing? Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, uh, cities that are, neighborhoods that are 24-7 are a lot more interesting than neighborhoods that, you know, roll up the sidewalks at a certain yeah. hour of the day. So um, just because a movie theater isn't open all the time doesn't mean that, you know, you don't want residents that are also part of a neighborhood. And, and I think where you see the most successful um, development of, the, of those neighborhoods is where it does have a mix of, of residential, of, of interesting retail, and, and, uh, and other opportunities. Yeah. Awesome. Random question. <laughs> um, do you have a favorite movie that speaks to you or maybe director well I have a lot of uh, I, have a, I have a lot of favorite movies mm-hmm. um, I tend not to have one um, and it, it can you know change from time to time um, some of it you know I mean even just repertory screenings where we'll show something that we haven't seen for a long time or played for a long time and, and, and try and show it and it's like I mean last year we showed eight and a half um, which I've seen many times but hadn't seen in a movie theater for quite a while and I was just blown away at how great a film it is and how fresh it is and it was uh, I don't know it was 50th 60th anniversary of, of, of the film's premiere and, and it was just it was like still brilliant um, so that's a, a recent example um, I, I, I do like a lot of Hollywood films from mm-hmm. the you know 30s and 40s and, and 50s and and, and, and f- further on so um it's not just art films a little bit of everything yeah Yeah. all right i have a random question too (laughs) okay because i have another one okay great go ahead (laughs) have you ever dabbled in filmmaking never never okay never no desire whatsoever yeah that's fair yeah (laughs) anyway it was samuel johnson or someone who said you know i i can uh just because I can't make a table doesn't mean that I don't know when it's a good table. Oh, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> or some, you know, something well, along, something along design. And I'm not a critic, yeah. by the way, either. So yeah. I, I don't necessarily claim to be able to define why a film is good mm-hmm. um, or what makes uh, one film better than another. Um, I'm a, you know, I'm a consumer and yeah. I know what I like. Exactly. I was just curious because, well, even but um, in never the had a world, desire to make one. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of the art critics have not, they don't make art. Right. Um, so I was just curious. Yeah. If you've ever been like, I wonder how this <laughs> camera angle would look. <laughs> no. No. Do you 
enjoy going to like see big blockbuster movies or are you only an art no uh, i like i like i like okay i mean i you know you have to appreciate them for what they are and again they're i mean you know it's a consumer product it's it's entertainment it's mass entertainment when they're when they're good or well done or more interesting than the average one you have to appreciate that um and and in some cases look in many cases they have taken techniques um and, and styles from art film mm -hmm. and incorporated it into their work into into the, the so you know hollywood i mean you know is always looking for for new talent and and new ways of exciting an audience and and a lot of that some of that can come from the art house mm -hmm. um there's probably a little bit more um freedom to experiment in the art films than maybe blockbuster movies so i can see that blockbuster is looking at art Films. Yeah, no, there definitely is. Um, you know, there's a certainly the budgets are more limited, but because the you know um, the risk is also much lower, and and people can experiment um, with their storytelling style, and and that becomes, you know, I believe it becomes a little bit easier as there is a democratization of the means of of storytelling. So digital cameras. You know, it, it, it used to be making a feature film was a, a major endeavor. I mean, you needed cameras, you needed film, you needed, you know, uh, uh, lighting equipment and a bunch of other stuff. And now, and now as, as you can see that it's possible to, I mean, you know, people have made feature films on their iPhone mm -hmm. and they look good. Yeah. Um, so, um, and and there are things that now you can incorporate into that filmmaking style, whether you know the, in the editing and the way it's shot, that uh, that can impact uh, again, you know, Hollywood storytelling. Mm -hmm. um, but so uh, all of which is a long way of saying, yeah, I, I do see, <laughs> <laughs> I do see blockbuster films. I you know I take them for what they are, mm -hmm. uh, not necessarily my favorite, but you know. What does um, a day in the life of you look like as far as running all of these theaters? Are you just all over the place? Are you stressed or? Yeah, completely. <laughs> um, it's, you know, it's a lot of email. It's a lot of phone. Um, it's, as I said, you know, uh, I mean, every week we reinvent our, our playlist, so to speak, because we evaluate what did business over the weekend um, that's usually your Monday work is you're, you're uh, digesting the, the box office information from the weekend, determining what you have scheduled to open um, and then what's going to hold over and play another week and where and how and um, dealing with every little shocks and surprises come with that. Did something do a lot better than you thought it was going to do and therefore you have to create room for it for a second week? Did something fall flat on its face and now you've got to go out and see what's available? To, uh, to fill a hole um, and then you know once you get past that then it's more advanced planning what's going to be coming in the weeks ahead um, and and all the the business stuff that goes with uh, showing films who do you you know you, you generally paint out um, to to the films uh, some percentage of the box office so who do you owe money to and how do you improve the bills and take care of that stuff and and then all the physical attributes of 
um, you know, repairs and maintenance and personnel. Um, so yeah, it's, it's <laughs> it adds up. It keeps you keeps me busy. Are you um, traveling to each of your theaters a lot, or not really? Um, not as much as I should. Um, some of it is just, um, you know, is there a film playing at a certain theater or a certain time that I, I want to see? I don't see everything before we open it. Mm. It's impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and, and in many cases, I prefer to see it in the theater because, again, as I said, that's the better way to see it. So, um, so that gets me out to the theaters. Mm-hmm. Oh, all eyes are on me, guys. <laughs> I, I have more questions, but I feel like I hogged I the no, um, mic. It. Do you have anything coming up um, that's exciting? Uh, well, there's there's always uh, new films opening and new programs, uh, different things we've got. Um, yes, when is this supposed to run? <laughs> uh, we will drop this Wednesday. 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 Um, we're working with a filmmaker. He's got a screening Wednesday night. Uh, it's a film about the uh, art and love of uh, of food, uh, you know, from the city of Naples. Very um, cool. So it's called Arangiarsi, Um and it's going to be playing for a week at one theater. And we're also doing a couple screenings. So there's a screen, and, and some of the screenings will have food oh, <laughs> and cool. pizza. That's awesome. So. <laughs> So that's uh, coming up this week. What else? Uh, there's a filmmaker that we've worked with uh, on a number of documentaries over the years. Her name is Aviva Kempner. She has a new film called The Spy Behind Home Plate, uh, which is about uh, the catcher, Mo Berg, um, who was uh, also a spy for the OSS. What? Yeah. Oh, that sounds really interesting. <laughs> yeah. He was, a, he was an interesting character. Um, uh, polyglot, spoke a number of languages. Um, the joke was, you know, he could speak uh, six languages and couldn't hit the curveball in any of them. Um, so maybe not the greatest, but not a, actually not a bad baseball player either. But uh, no, I mean, he was, uh, so not only did he speak multiple languages, but he, uh, you know, had a fairly well-developed scientific mind. And uh, I believe he was sent by the OSS uh, overseas uh, to Switzerland to ascertain how far along the Nazis were with their nuclear program and their program to develop the atomic bomb. And he was potentially under orders to assassinate someone if he thought that they were getting close. But he was able to figure out that they were off on the wrong track. Um, So he didn't have to kill anybody. Oh, oh my gosh. (laughs) And uh, so. But he, uh, when he was sent, uh, I think before World War II, the... There was a U.S. team that went to do uh, some uh, exhibition games in Japan. Um, and he was also working for the OSS at that time. That is fascinating. Yeah. So so this is a filmmaker, Aviva yeah. Kempner, who's made a number of movies. I mean, he was Jewish, and she's made a number of, mm-hmm. of her films about uh, Jewish-American subjects. And yeah. so. so that's cool. the opportunity to work with, a, you know, to, to, to see the breadth of, of films that a filmmaker has made and, and, you know, show them over time. Yeah. Awesome. Is it a pretty small um, film industry? Do you kind of get to know all the players? <laughs> um, no, you definitely don't get to know all the players. I mean, maybe the world of art film sales and distribution is relatively small. So you know the people who are who have established a track record and have spent 
you know, in many cases, 30 and 40 years um, distributing art films. Um, but there's, uh, you know, there's always room for new people, of course. And, um, but, you know, well beyond that world is, you know, there's the marketing people who I may not interact with because they're not selling the film. They're, uh, they're not doing the sale, the, the, the physical act of, or not physical, the, the act of placing the film in the movie theaters, but they're more focused on the, uh, you know, the trailers and the ad campaign and, and some of that kind of stuff. So I don't necessarily interact with, with, with them. Uh, and then clearly there's a uh, you know, whole host of people that are determining which films get made, uh, how, which films are produced, uh, at, at whether at a studio level or at a mini-major or an independent. Um, someone's, you know, there are production companies that are behind these films. So um, there's a number of levels, and I'm really just scratching, you know, one surface, mm-hmm. one, little, one little niche of corner of it. Do you make it out to um, like the film festivals a lot, or host film festivals? Well, we host a number of film festivals mm-hmm. here in LA. Um, we're not involved with the programming, um, but we do, you know, work with the festivals on on operational aspects. Um, in terms of going to film festivals, there was a, a time when I was able to and enjoyed going, uh, and then my wife got pregnant. And we found out we were having triplets. Oh, um, my God. We, we, mul- oh my. We, multi- we multiplex everything. <laughs> yeah. So uh, going to film festivals stopped. <laughs> I can imagine. And, and never really started up after okay. that. Yeah, mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yeah. You are a busy man. <laughs> yeah. How old are they now? They're 25. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. So I should really be starting again, but... <laughs> <laughs> They're at that age. Um, but again, you know, it, it, I mean... Look, it would be great to, to go to the film festivals. I can't kid myself that I need to be there mm-hmm. um, because ultimately distributors are going to determine which films they want to uh, bring to the marketplace and some things like that. And I, I don't know that I'm going to, you know, discover some film and, you know, insist that someone distribute it because um, it's really quality. Um, there are so many companies now, dist- you know, involved with distribution that, you know, generally speaking, worthy films find their way, you know, into the marketplace in some way, shape, or form. Um, but, you know, there are probably some that are going to get lost. But yeah. uh, if if we can get to a point where we have enough volume that we can start, uh, you know, allowing... I can hire somebody to yeah. do some of the th- three, <laughs> some of the four different jobs I do. Yeah, that would be great to go to film yeah. festivals. I imagine it uh, has to be very fun for you because you have such a good understanding of the art films and the industry that seeing them at a festival for the first time would be a fun experience. Film festivals are fabulous. Yeah, and you know, and and we have so many, We have a number. Of, I mean, we've lost some now in LA, but mm-hmm. we we have uh, still have a number of film festivals. It would be so great to just go to film festivals yeah. here um, you know the problem with that is it, it's kind of like I mean part of going to the film festival is it is leaving your, your space and putting you know saying this is the time that I'm going to go spend yeah. watching movies and then you see three and four films a day mm-hmm. um, you know when you're at a festival Yeah. are any of your kids interested in Helping with the theater as well. One of my sons has started a a distribution company. It's called Subliminal Films, and he's uh, taken out a couple films. He has a film opening uh, in Los Angeles on June fourteenth called Pause. Um, It's a uh, Cypriot film, 
Greek slash Cypriot film. So subtitled cool. subtitled picture. So yeah. look for that one June fourteenth. June fourteenth. All right. So uh, I apologize because this is I'm getting this information off Wikipedia, <laughs> um, but I thought it was interesting. So it talked about um, the Oscar qualifying, and it said that the Lemley Theater is is known as the secret path to the Oscar qualifying. I was like, well, I must ask. I don't, think it's, I don't think it's particularly secretive, especially it's on Wikipedia. Right. <laughs> that is no. true. Is um, there is a requirement, generally speaking, to qualify for the Oscars. There's a requirement that the film screen theatrically, um, and that includes for short films uh, and documentaries. Um, and... You know, over the years, I mean, many years ago, uh, the, someone called my grandfather and said, hey, will you screen my short film? And he probably agreed to do it. And then all of a sudden, you know, there was a flood of people. So we, you know, came up with some pricing structure to say, well, this is what it costs to, to you know, we're providing a service. Uh, we should make it an, an opportunity. So it is something we do. Um, you know, the requirements change over the years. But, um, uh, you know, we do screen a number of shorts. Um, short animated shorts, live action shorts, short documentaries. Each one has a different requirement or somewhat different requirement, and we try and create that opportunity for for the films to be screened so that people can submit. Awesome. Is there a so in art? There's like a, a season where all the big things come out. So September is kind of the start of the art season. Um, is there a start of the film season? Um, there, no. Uh, yes and no. Yes and no. <laughs> um, the Oscars are a major factor. So, uh, you know, films have to qualify for the Oscars. You have to be released before year end, generally speaking. And since everything can't be right at year end, you know, there's that season sort of from you know mid-September on where you see a lot of the quote-unquote prestige films everybody wants to be as close to the Oscars as possible so that they're not forgotten by the time you know people start the nominating process but you know there are good films that are being released you know during the first couple months of the year when the focus is on the Oscar films um, there are quality films that are being released immediately after the Oscars because everyone's tired of Oscar films and they want something new. Um, you know, there's a whole season of films that get released during the summer because um, we that's the best period, at least in terms of the box office, um, not just for Hollywood blockbusters, but, you know, people are going to movies. So if you think you have something that can cross over... Um, and, and be a little more commercial, that's a great time to be in theaters. Um, and there's quality films during all those periods. What advice would you give to an emerging artist or filmmaker who wants to make it in this industry? <laughs> <laughs> Lisa loves this, this final is my question. question. <laughs> well, uh, okay. Um, no, it's, it's fine. I mean, for, I mean, look, if you're coming to filmmaking as an artist, then you, you're going to make the film you want to make. Mm -hmm. Um, and you probably shouldn't necessarily worry about success um, because there's a level where you're making what you what you feel you want to make and what you want to express. Um, but to the extent that 
filmmaking represents a, a form of storytelling. Um, you probably do need to be aware of, of who you're telling your story to. And, and, and that can extend to then to the, the sale or distribution, marketing, whatever of your film. Um, it's, you know, I don't want to say that, I mean, people call, oh, everyone will enjoy this film. And it's like, well, yeah, I'm sure everyone will enjoy this film, but who's actually going to buy a ticket? Mm -hmm. Because that's really what it's about. And, and, and at some level, you have to um, narrow that down a little bit and saying, okay, these are the people that I think will really respond to this film. Uh, what sort of niche market can I find for that? Um, and at least, and, and play to your base, you know, which would be the sort of political angle. Yeah. You gotta, these are the people you have to make sure that they come out. Um, and if it expands beyond that, that's great. But understand who that core audience is. Um, and again, not that you're making the film for them, but they're the ones that are going to respond to the film. So let's find a way to, to reach them, to inform them about where the film is playing, when it's playing, you know, why they would like it, and, and then make sure that they're there to, to see the film. That's great. Thank you. <laughs> so um, if someone's looking up information about your theaters um where's the best place to find that it's very simple it's www.lemley.com I, I, I guess you're not supposed to do the www it's okay it's cool. i'm so old no <laughs> yeah just lemley.com if you said uh, http you're safe okay um but yeah, no, our website has a ton of information um, uh, about upcoming films, uh, e-newsletter, a bunch of other stuff. Yes, Facebook is passe, but you can like us on Facebook, <laughs> uh, and you'll get information about uh, stuff, Twitter, Instagram, whatever. Um, uh, again, I mean, there's a lot. We're, we're throwing a lot of stuff at people, so it, it can be difficult to, to sift through it and really determine what it is that's most appealing, but we try and provide you know, all the information, just from synopsis to, to links to reviews to all kinds of other stuff. And, um, and and I would say one other thing that we really try to do is, is focus on price point. So if you are a regular Lemley moviegoer, you can buy frequent moviegoer tickets. You can buy um, a premiere card, which gets you discounts or things like that. Um, yeah, you know, at, at if you're going on Saturday night to the latest Hollywood blockbuster you can expect to pay 13 or 14 dollars for your ticket but if you're a more frequent moviegoer if you're looking for go to bargain shows things like that you should be seeing movies for half that much regularly that's great so well you have to because yeah. <laughs> if you're going to see three or four movies a week yeah <laughs> <laughs> well even at the the 13 14 dollar price point I mean that's still less than what you would pay at like an Edwards so we try and be below market yeah, that's great. Um, but certainly for the, the regular. I mean, you know, the, the big thing of 2018 was MoviePass, and, um, which was completely unsustainable from an economic standpoint. And, mm -hmm. you know, and, and it's unfortunate that, it, well, that they priced themselves in a way that was just completely unrealistic. But what it showed is people want to see movies, yeah. and, and prices is a factor. Um, so we... Um, while we're maintaining a transactional posture, um, you know, we, we still have to learn the lesson of that and, and that um, you need to be a little price sensitive. 
Do you see yourself opening up more theaters in other locations? We are, uh, yes. I mean, we're in, under construction on a location now in New Hall, uh, Santa Clarita Valley. I mean, that's a part of, it's an underscreened part of the county, and especially underscreened when it comes to a uh, theater that would be open to playing foreign and independent and art films. Um, so, you know, from the time that we were just a single screen in Los Feliz, um, looking at, you know, the city and trying to understand, um, you know, the scope of Los Angeles, um, you know, we really sort of took a philosophical viewpoint that people throughout the county wanted to see art films and um, we needed to, to go to them uh, to, to bring these theaters out to other parts of the county. Um, and in many cases, parts that, uh, that were not historically have thought of as being so friendly to, to an art theater. Um, but, you know, we're dealing with so many factors as a, as, as a presenter of art in the county that, um, that are completely beyond our control. Um, the affordability crisis, um, wage stagnation, transportation issues, um, all of those go into, at some level, factor into um, movie going. Um, you know, my trade organization at one point said, you know, there's a, a hearing about the uh, the minimum wage increase. Will you go and, and say about, you know, how that's going to kill your business? And I said, no, I'm not going to go because, you know, if people can't afford to see movies, <laughs> that's going to be a bigger factor <laughs> than anything else. Yeah. Um, and so after a while, they, you know, they said, maybe it's best if you just stay home. <laughs> you know what? The meeting was canceled. You can send this one out. Yeah. I said, I'm fine staying. That's fine. Yeah. You know, but I'm not going to go and. I'll take a night off. Um, but, you know, uh, but, uh, you know, there is an impact, mm -hmm. um, especially if we want the movie going to be a democratic, uh, small d, democratic um, institution. Um, you know, there's certainly lots of. Uh, art presenters here, uh, not just here, in any community that um, chase after a, um, a more refined um, way of presenting themselves, you know, because they're chasing luxury, ultimately. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, that's not us. Perfect. Awesome. Any closing notes? Uh, I want to go see some movies now. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> no, that's super exciting, and we were really excited to have you on our podcast because you're you're such a different guest, but really you're a huge advocate for the arts in a in a different genre. And uh, thank you for being on our podcast. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right, we love you guys. Bye. Bye.